Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and I have a special treat for you guys today. Uh, my guest is uh, Dr. Gene Getz. Uh, Dr. Getz is the president of the Center for Church Renewal. He's taught at Moody Bible Institute and Dallas Theological Seminary. He's written over 60 books, but we have him here today to talk about his latest work, uh, which isn't really a book that he's written, but it's an interactive study Bible that he's um, done a lot of a lot of work on, uh, both writing and video. So, Dr. Getz, welcome to the program. Well, hey, thanks, Josh. It's a privilege to be with you. Now, usually I have this rule uh, in this podcast that I only interview people after I read in the entirety what they have written and what I am interviewing them over. And, and I, <laughs> I, I must confess that I had to break that rule for you. Uh, so can you, I understand. <laughs> can you tell our readers, uh, listeners, how this Life Essentials Interactive Study Bible works? Well, basically, if you had read everything uh, prior to this uh, podcast, uh, you'd have read the whole uh, Bible in English. It's about 750,000 words. And then in addition, there are 500,000 words that I've I've written in commentaries and principles. So uh, uh, figure that. <laughs> it would have taken you a while. So that's understandable. But, uh, yes, it is an interactive study Bible. And it's really kind of a miraculous uh, product, uh, Josh, in the sense that over 15 years ago now, uh, I got a call from Broadman and Holman, and they said, Gene, would you take our brand-new translation, which at that time was the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Now it's been updated to the Christian Standard Bible. But they said, would you take our brand-new translation and do it principles live by study Bible from Genesis to Revelation? And uh, they said, boy, with all the books you've written and everything, you can do this in about two years. <laughs> well, hello, seven years later, uh, I completed uh, the first edition. And we've now, of course, come out with the second edition, but uh, updated and laid into the latest translation. But, uh, yes, it was an incredible experience. And uh, as you said, it's multimedia, and that's that's a miracle in itself to be able to have not only 1,500 principles embedded right in the biblical text with commentary, but then to have 1,500 QR codes and a reader can access 1,500 videos where I actually teach each one of those principles. And uh, uh, that, that to me is uh, a miracle of technology as well and even how that all happened. But, uh, boy, it's been a great journey, an exciting journey, and... Uh, of course, the first seven years, um, we came out with the first edition, and now the second edition. I've actually, the last seven years, been updating all of the videos uh, to high definition because we didn't have high definition cameras the first time around. So, been about 14 years in front of the camera teaching it and with a live audience, and wow, it's been a great journey. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the labor of love. Cause I think what what stood out to me most about this Bible is that, you know, this this sort of teaching, this level of teaching, this amount of teaching. I mean, you can you can go to most um, Sunday school curriculum or small group curriculum, and you know it's forty fifty dollars for a four to six week uh, series, and you know here in these videos you have hundreds of hours. I think it's like 250 hours or so of content. About 300. About 300 actually, hours yeah. of content. And it is, you know, 
it, it, it's all in here. It, it's in the Bible, and you know this isn't like a thousand dollars. This is a this is a regularly priced Bible, uh, which tells me that this is a labor of love uh, for you and and for the entire team that helped produce. Um, well, yes, and and the and and those videos are free, you know, mm -hmm. right. uh, absolutely free anywhere in the world where they download them, and that's that's what we wanted. And of course, yeah, we put you know tons of effort into this. I had a team of about seven people working on this project, and uh, and basically it was also a gift to Robin Holman because there's no way that they could have financed that project because it mm -hmm. cost. You can imagine a couple million dollars to be able to over seven years and then fourteen years to uh, produce all these videos, and uh, all that was subsidized by the gifts of people that really believed in the Bible. And uh, the moment it came off the press, this was the exciting thing: is it was available anywhere in the world where people had access to the internet and. Mm -hmm. That was something we never really anticipated. In fact, the videos uh, was a miracle in itself, Josh, in the sense that, yes, we uh, had planned to do the videos. Uh, my associate said, Gene, if you're going to do all this, teach all this, uh, let's just use you know high-quality video and, and um, just put it on the web so people can follow. Well, <clears throat> we didn't realize that six, actually into the sixth and seventh year of the project, here comes YouTube uh, with QR code technology. It didn't exist when we started. So if we hadn't videotaped all 300 hours of the video, uh, there's no way you could reproduce it. I mean, it was just a, a God thing. And uh, so then, all of a sudden, we realized, hey, this is available anywhere in the world. And consequently, um, you know, God has, has been using it. And it's just a humbling experience to see how, how God's used For a lot of pastors, particularly in third world countries, it's like a seminary in a box because... Yeah. They've never they've never had formal training, right. and uh, this is able enables them to do that. So, yeah, praise the Lord. It's been been an exciting uh, venture. Yeah, this this sort of interaction between Christian teaching and multimedia, uh, my understanding is that it's been a really strong part of your ministry from the beginning. And you can you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that your very first book in the late 1950s was actually about the use of audiovisual media in Christian <laughs> education. Um, yeah, it was. It was it was called audiovisual media in the church, and I was teaching at Moody Bible Institute and taught a course in media, and there was no textbook, um, so I wrote one, and Moody Press published it, and I had no idea that was beginning of my written ministry, and eventually, of course, turned into a lot of biblical materials. Uh, after I came to Dallas Seminary to teach, and then got in into church planting, but. Uh, yeah, that uh, because I, I taught media way back, believe it or not, in 1958, long before you were born. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, you know became a part of my soul and part of my heart and just part of my the way I think in terms of communication. So I think all that was just part of God's grace and God's leadership in my own life, and I'm just thankful that I was able to to utilize that background and talent at, at this moment in my life. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's something that's I think, uh, seems to have always been with you throughout your entire ministry. What was it that drew you 
to that in the very beginning. So I, I know there had to have been a lot of pushback because there always is with any new technology, um, especially within the church, that, oh, we're not sure that we should use that for ministry purposes. We're, was how, how was that milieu in the 50s? And then how have you seen that change over the course of the years? Well, it's it's really interesting because I was working on my uh, master's degree at uh, Wheaton in our graduate school, and uh, I had graduated from Moody, and the professor there had really encouraged me and kept up with me after I graduated from Moody and went on for more education. And when I came back to Wheaton, he called me and he said, Gene, uh, there's opening in the evening school just to teach one hour of audiovisual media. And I just basically said, whoa, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm qualified. And uh, so he made a suggestion. He said, well, maybe there's a course in, in the college at Wheaton. You can take that as a foundation and then just teach us one hour. Well, I found a three-hour course that was being taught, so I took that course and in the process uh, turned it into a one-hour course in the evening school. And uh, and that was really the first time that a course like that was ever taught at Moody. And uh, and and the other exciting thing about that, Josh, is that the Lord used that in the sense that eventually I had the privilege, really, of uh, setting up the first multimedia center at Moody Bible Institute. And at that point, they were really avant-garde because, you know, they had launched Moody Institute of Science with all the films that they had done. And, of course, they had been in the media in the media ministry for years so it, this just opened the door and they built a new academic center and we were able to go in there and and use all the latest technology from room to room and um so you know it just uh, one of those things that uh yeah it there, there was not pushback really uh at moody and we were able then to teach the students and set the groundwork to you know help the graduates use media in the church. And uh, so that's how basic, I think that's all, all part of God's design. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that Christians can sometimes be wary of new technology and ministry styles. I, I think of my own church where it's a constant discussion about whether or not we should allow the youth to have cell phones uh, out during small group study. And then here you go publishing a Bible that like literally requires it. Um, to, to to look up these QR codes. Uh, what would you say to these Christians that struggle with seeing technology as, as a bad thing? Well, I would just simply say that they need to think about history and think about the fact that uh, as new things came along, there, there were some Christians that were negative, for example, when radio came on, you know, uh, uh, that people were really leery about radio, and uh, you know, one great Christian leader said, "Well, maybe it has something to do with the principalities and the evil in this in the air." You know, well, that same leader I remember uh, actually stood before uh, the Congress uh, pleading for uh, it. Actually, was WMBI in Chicago to stay on the air and keep broadcasting. It's just that. I think that we just tend to be conservative in those areas. But the fact of the matter is we're just so media-oriented today mm -hmm. that uh, it just, um, you know, to be negative towards it really is, is not to really be aware of what's happening in the world. Of course, the illustration you use is more function. 
a functional issue. That is that you just don't want a group of kids sitting there sure, texting yeah. each other when you're trying to teach them. And, yeah, I was at the kitchen table the other evening, and my daughter had come over, and um, I was I had my cell phone on the table. And uh, my wife and I were sitting there, and she was sitting there, and I was texting something, and, and she said, Dad, would you put away your your phone so we could... You know, so we can have fellowship. I mean, I, and I needed to. I just set it aside, turned it off. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, every every advance in technology, Satan has gotten mm. in there and, and driven full force to use it. He's doing that with the phones. He's doing it with the Internet, computers. You know, uh, evil uh, is there. But the fact of the matter is that the, the technology is not evil in itself and can be used for the glory of God. And so when I think of, of my Life Essential Study Bible, you know, not only do they have the words of Scripture, but there they have a QR code. They can take their cell phone or their tablet. They can access a video instantaneously uh, anywhere in the world and, uh, and, uh, and listen to the Word of God. We can be studying the Word of God together. I remember getting a, a text from a, a lady in Amman, Jordan, and uh, she said, Jane, I'm sitting here every morning. I access your your video, um, and and she has Wi-Fi in her kitchen, and 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 she uh, said, uh, I have my Arabic Bible open, and I listen to you teach. And uh, of course, she understands English enough. Mm-hmm. But then she sent me a picture of her Arabic Bible. A, pa- a page where she was taking notes in her Arabic Bible as she was listening to me teach. And that's right in the heart of the Muslim world. And so just think of the opportunities that technology gives us to communicate the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about the the Bible in particular. <clears throat> you You came up with 1,500 principles, and that's a lot. Like you don't just you you don't just sit down and be like oh yes I already have this planned out I know exactly fifteen hundred how did you like when you when you started this project was there a set number in mind of like okay here's the goal uh, or how did how did that what was that process like yeah not exactly they just simply uh, when I say not exactly I mean a goal or a set number. Uh, they said, a principle, we want you to do a Principles to Live by Study Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And as I, I got into the project, we began to estimate how many there might be. And we came somewhere in the vicinity of of that number um, as, as, as I was unfolding the story and, and embedding the principles right in the text. Uh, so it just happened. And, and, of course, the other challenge we had was there's a lot of repetition in Scripture. I call it divine repetition, you know, in, you know, Chronicles, Kings, the Gospels, the Prophets, the Epistles. And so what do you do with repetitious content that gives the same principles? And if you'll get into the Scriptures, you'll see that uh, when I come across a passage of Scripture that I've treated before with a principle, uh what I do is I simply, uh, we bar that in with a blue line, and then we cross-reference it to the principle uh, before. 
and uh, and so you know you'll have there's over a thousand uh, cross references from passages that are repetitious to principles. Uh, so uh, these principles are reinforced again and again, but we don't repeat them. We just cross reference them. And that was an exciting uh, process in itself. You know, as you work through the Gospels, you've got repetition. Uh, but you also have a lot of uniqueness in all four Gospels uh, that give unique principles. But you also have a, uh, have a lot of cross-references uh, to principles. For example, in Matthew, where Jesus called the first disciples. I have a principle there in terms of discipleship. But when you get to Mark, you have the same passage. Well, what you'll see is just a blue line around that passage with a cross-reference to Matthew, because it's the same basic passage. So uh, that that was uh, an exciting challenge as well, as to how how to handle divine repetition. Mm-hmm. I, it, it absolutely astounds me when I look through this, and there there could be a few pages in here that don't have at least one principle. But every page that I open to uh, has at least one one principle written out on that page. Uh, was it difficult to to uh, space that out and be like, okay, well, we don't want to? It, it, I, I feel like it'd be very easy, especially in, in this age, to to really front load everything in the New Testament. And because a lot of a lot of Christians just feel like, well, there's not that much in the Old Testament for me. It's all these laws that I don't really understand. Uh, how how did you bring the Old Testament to life, particularly through this? Uh, well, one, yeah. Well, part of part of my hermeneutics, and of course, you know, that's a kind of a big theological word, which means interpreting Scripture, how you really interpret it. And and as I was going through the Old Testament, where I saw that there was a principle to live by. Um, I always, to verify that that was a universal principle, I always went to the New Testament and verified that principle from the New Testament as well. Because it's very, very um, inappropriate to take a text out of the Old Testament that was written specifically to Israel, with a specific application to Israel, uh, to apply that to the church. Uh, however, there's a there's usually a principle there that's transferable, enduring, and reinforced in the New Testament. And so you'll find that every principle in the Old Testament is verified with Scripture uh, from the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And I found that uh, that's one of the areas in feedback that's been so exciting is that people would say, the Old Testament comes alive to me because I see how this is God's unfolding story, God's total unfolding story from Genesis to Revelation. And so the 1500 principles really tie the whole story together as God unfolds his redemptive plan. Mm. And uh, we just get great feedback from that. Yeah, yeah. So you did these 1500 principles. You spent years filming and then refilming um the the videos was there was there ever one where you went oh there's one more we need to have fifteen hundred and one uh, did you ever no. never never went back no none of that except uh, that just brings to mind that when I did Elisha in the Old Testament I felt like I just could summarize all the miracles and everything in Elisha's life um, 
uh, with one basic principle, which would have covered, you know, several pages mm-hmm. uh, in that story. But when uh, Dr. Ed Bloom, uh, who was the editor of the of the of the text, that is of the uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible, when they did that new translation. Mm-hmm. And he read what I had done. He said, Jane, you need, a, you need at least eight principles on the life of Elijah. And I went back and I looked at every one of the miracles and I could see that basically there was a principle to live by that grew out of each one of those. So where I had one, I went back and inserted about seven or eight. Now that happened on occasions, but um, uh, I just tried to be as comprehensive as possible. Now, I think you could go back and you could read through it. In fact, I've done it myself, and I, I can see where I could have added some principles. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, I think we've pretty much covered the major, major supercultural truths that God wants us to understand and live out in our lives today. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this isn't a project that you can do without like really, really... Uh, reassessing and revisiting the entire Bible. Uh, as you film this series, as you work through these principles, was there anything that new or different, or that felt uh, that like, oh, I, I hadn't actually grasped that before now? Well, uh, do you have all day? <laughs> <laughs> maybe no, let's just focus was, on maybe one yeah, or two. <laughs> it was just a constant learning experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just constant learning experience. As it is today, you know. Right. Uh, I just finished working on a series of teachings that I want to do in the Gospel of John. And, uh, man, I saw new things, you know, that I hadn't seen before. And uh, it's true of every book of the Bible. And, and so it was a, a constant learning experience for me to see those connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, just an experience uh, interacting with what God's written to us, which is divine and something that will endure forever. So it shouldn't surprise us that it's a a constant learning experience if we do it seriously in on our life here on earth. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the words that kept uh, coming up when I was researching uh, this, this study Bible, researching some of your other, other works, uh, was the word supracultural. Um, right. And one of the inter- suggested interview questions that I was given um, was that you had wanted to make this whole project in general, the principle specifically, to be supracultural. Can you explain what you mean by that term? Yeah, Josh, if if the principle is not applicable in every culture of the world at any moment in history, then probably it's not an enduring truth. Because if you take scripture and you have a principle, that principle should should uh, be applicable, you know, in the heart of a Brazilian rainforest where there's a little church meeting as well as in the heart of the city of Dallas. Uh the, the the principle is not a methodology, but the principle generates a methodology for application. And uh, and for example, you know, in Nehemiah, where Nehemiah's prayer uh, when he was in captivity, uh, you know, the prayer there, the, the principle is is uh, basically the way in which he uh, engaged in intense. Uh, 
intense prayer. And in that intense prayer, he prayed day and night uh, that he would have an answer to help the the people in Jerusalem where the walls were broken down. And he was five, six hundred miles away serving a pagan king. Well, the principle basically there is intense prayer. Um, in fact, if I can uh, turn to Nehemiah, and I've got the Bible in front of me, and fortunately it's got these little... Um, finders, and I go right to Nehemiah, and the principle is intense prayer. And the principle reads, when we are in the midst of agonizing circumstances that seem hopeless, we should freely share our painful thoughts and feelings with God. Now, Nehemiah was in an agonizing situation. You know, he prayed, he wept, he seemed hopeless, he didn't know what to do, he, he shared his feelings with God. Well, you know, you take that principle. Does that apply in, uh, let's use the Brazilian rainforest? You know, you've lost your home in a monsoon as a believer. The church has been destroyed. Does that principle apply? Well, of course. You know, it's intense, uh, agonizing, difficult. What about <clears throat> what about after 9-11? Does that principle apply? What about if uh, you're facing cancer or one of your loved ones is facing death? Does that apply everywhere in the world? Absolutely. So the question I asked when I worded a principle from Scripture was, will this apply anywhere in the world at any moment in history? If it doesn't pass that test, it's probably not a biblical principle. And I need to go back to the text and and look at it more carefully and word that more carefully. And make sure that I'm really interpreting Scripture accurately. Does that make sense? It does, yes. Yeah, I think that's, a, <clears throat> that's an excellent, I think, philosophy to have to, to not get so bogged down. Uh, because it's very hard for anyone, um, but Christians in the West, I think, in particular, and maybe I just say that because that's what I am, uh, to see outside our own culture and our own experience. It's very hard to empathize um, with people uh, outside of our experience. And well, and the other and the other thing and the other thing we do, Josh. Pardon me for interrupting there, but <clears throat> the other thing we do is we we tend to superimpose methodology mm -hmm. on scripture, and there is no absolute methodology in scripture. Only basic truth that can help us generate a methodology to apply it in our particular cultural situation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what you have in Scripture is basically function that yields principles, but from that function we can develop forms and patterns to apply those principles. And that's a very important thing that people need to learn because if we superimpose structure and methodology on scripture we're going to lock ourselves in into the culture of the of the of the of the bible uh, a lot of christians do that with the church they'll superimpose what they think is some form on uh, the new testament church and when you do that you're going to lock yourself into jerusalem <clears throat> or lock yourself into the middle east but god doesn't lock us into a culture he gives us principles from these functions 
that are applicable anywhere in the world. And the forms change, and the methods change, but the functions never change, if indeed they're truly biblical functions and principles. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Um, so this this uh, updated version of the Interactive Study Bible, I think it came out a couple of months ago. Um, in what ways are you hearing that people have used this Bible? Um, I, we've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but I'll, I just want to kind of end with this. Um, have you been surprised by how churches or individuals have gotten back with you and told you uh, that how they've been using this? Well, absolutely. I mean, we get feedback regularly and people saying for the first time they've studied the Bible for years, but first time they're understanding how the Old New Testament flows together. Uh, obviously, we get feedback from all over the world. And, of course, one of our goals, Josh, is for every Bible we sell, we give one away. Mm-hmm. And um, And when we do that, in other words, all the profits from the sale go into our a Bible fund in our ministry. And, and for example, we just shipped 300 Bibles to India mm-hmm. for pastors in India who've had very little former training. They understand English, and consequently, uh, we've given them those Bibles. We paid the freight to get them there. I think the freight was over 5000 We paid that, and we paid for all the Bibles we sent them. That's because people in America have bought the Bibles. The prophets go into our ministry, and we give them away. We just sent 300 Bibles to Africa, which were distributed past. We don't just give them away, but we have representatives who train them mm-hmm. on how to use this technology and how to use the Bible. Uh, so we're, we're just really excited with the feedback. And the other exciting thing is it's just happening is that the Bible is going to come out in Spanish. And uh, basically, all my commentaries are translated into Spanish. All my videos have been lip-synced professionally, so that when you download a video and I'm teaching, you cannot tell that I'm not speaking Spanish. The the lip-sync is so perfect. It's done in Mexico City, and uh, by a professional who's been doing it for 30 years. And uh, and that Bible is ready to go to press, and hopefully in about six months it'll be available to go over all of the Spanish-speaking world. So wow. God is opening doors, you know, beyond beyond the English. <clears throat> yeah. So we're thankful. Yeah. Yeah, well, Dr. Goetz, I want to thank you for your time today uh, to be on the podcast program. And again, the the book is the Life Essentials Interactive Study Bible. Uh, it, it contains about a half million words of commentary and 300 hours of video via QR code that's embedded in the Bible. So this is, this is really a seminary in a book. Um, you get a lifetime of teaching and, along with 2,000 years or more of God's Word. Uh, it's absolutely an incredible, incredible resource. We thank you, Dr. Getz. Uh, well, thank you, and Josh. If they, yeah, and it's available through our ministry at okay. BiblePrinciples.org. Mm-hmm. They just go to BiblePrinciples.org, and remember, I would say this, for every Bible that they purchase online, we're able to give one away. So it's an investment in people, literally, 
all over the world who can't afford to have a Bible. 